Good morning. Good morning. Woo, good morning. <laughs> well, we just never know. We never know what God has for us. We never know how it's going to take off, but we know how it ends. So that's the good news of the morning. Praise God. Good morning, Strong Tower. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for our online friends and family for tuning in. My name is Felicia Mason, and I have the honor and privilege to lead our children here at this church, to worship our God together, and to be in front of you this morning. I was down here in tears, not because I was nervous, anxious, scared, fearful, none of that stuff. I was in tears because I can't believe it. I'm not worthy, but God is pouring things into me and helping me pour them out to you. And this morning, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful to share with you. People have been asking me all morning, how do you feel? And you know what? I'm just a storyteller that has found joy in the Lord. That is who I am. And he has given me truth. He's given me power in his word. And that's who I am. So today may look a little different, sound a little different to you. But as my family here on the stage has said today, I pray you're, you can pluck one thing from this that may change your life. When Pastor reached out to me and asked me, I don't know, y'all. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm in the pulpit. When he reached out and asked me <laughs> to do this, it was through an email, and I started reading it. You ever got an email that you know where it's going, but you don't want it to go where it's going? And that's where this email was going. And when I tell you I hollered so loud, not out of excitement, but out of I don't know what. And my husband said, what happened? He was in the other room. And then the Lord just started pouring into me. I started praying. My flesh wanted to say no. But the Lord said, you don't have a choice. You know me. I got you. I'm going to give you a word. So that's how I got here this morning. That's how I got here. So I'm just so blessed to kick off the Christmas season with you. If you know anything about me, you know I love to celebrate life. I love to celebrate Christmas. Even though my year has looked a little different this year, as a lot of ours have. Even in my grief in the mourning of my family members that I've lost this year. I have found joy in the promise of God and the promise of Jesus that is to come. And so um, I'm grateful to be in front of you. I'm grateful to sit under a pastor that says, hey, let's look at the women in the Christmas story. Hey, better yet, let's get some women to come up here and talk about it. That didn't happen everywhere, friends. It does not happen. So, Pastor, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to dig into this. So, I love to use this time of year to rest, relax, realign, um, reflect. What has this year been like? What, is this, what has this been like? What am I going to do differently next year that I did this year? God, what do you have for me? So this is the time of reflection that I love the end of the year. And so I chose Elizabeth. I chose Elizabeth. I said, Elizabeth, I'm going to look into you. Actually, God chose her for me, and he gave me like a whole sermon in a day. Somebody asked me, I think it was Isaiah, that said, hey, what are you thinking last Sunday? And I went through the whole thing. I hadn't prepared anything. The Lord gave it to me. So I'm just so excited to just be in this moment. How is God leading us? What can we do differently next year? So today we're going to talk about Zechariah and Elizabeth. 
and their life. And as Jonathan was talking about this morning, we know that joy sometimes doesn't come easy. It doesn't for me. I'm just going to tell you that. I'm a joyful person. I have joy in the Lord. But when I start thinking about loss, grief, sin, injustice, my, my kids, things they're going through at school, I'm easily grieved. But I know there's joy. And I have to pray and I have to repent. So Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were old. They were old. And they had just wanted a child. You see, back in the biblical days, if you couldn't have a child, some would say there was a curse on you. And we learn in the Bible that there is joy in the promise. And that's what we're going to look at today. So Elizabeth and um, Zechariah were mom and dad to John, the messenger. So turn in your Bibles to Luke 1. We're going to start there, and I'm going to pray for us. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so faithful. This month, Lord, let us dig a little deeper into your son that you sent for us, the one that stands and stood in the gap for our sin. Lord, help us understand the journey of how we got to where we are today, Lord. If there's anybody in this house that is ailing in their body, I'm going to ask that you heal them today, God. Bring them peace. If there's anybody in the house today that is mourning this season because they're going through it without a loved one this year, Lord, bring them peace. Lord, be with us during the word today, God, that I may bring forth what you have for us. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Luke 1.45 says, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told of her, told her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now let me tell you something. Men, you can find something in this for you. I promise. I promise. This whole month, there's things for us, for everybody in this. So Elizabeth's life was mostly certainly blessed. She was a daughter of a priest of Israel with lineage to trace back to Aaron, the first high priest of Israel. Elizabeth means God is my oath. She started out this way. Elizabeth was married to Zechariah, and they were both righteous before God. So here we have a couple, righteous before God, old in age, and they don't have a child. Elizabeth is barren. Again, back in these days, if you didn't have a child, there was something wrong. But the Bible says they were righteous, and they were together, and they were in ministry. If you're in ministry, if one person in your relationship's in ministry, you're all in ministry. My husband's in ministry. My kids are in ministry. You're all in ministry. And Elizabeth has supported her husband to the top of his ministry. So Elizabeth was married to Zechariah and both righteous and blameless. Luke 1, 6, and 7 says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments, all of them, and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Here's my favorite part, and I looked for it, and if this is wrong, pastor can stand up and correct me because I'm a student. But... 
I couldn't find where Elizabeth lamented, complained. I couldn't find that. Lord, help me be like Elizabeth. That thing I've been praying for that everybody else seems to get so easily. Help me have a heart like Elizabeth. I would love for somebody, and they can't because I've sinned and I've not been like Elizabeth, to stand up and say, I never heard her complain. I never heard her lament. Oh, it's so good. God, thank you for showing us how you want us to walk, how you want us to be. So there's no documentation of Elizabeth lamenting or complaining. She just went forth in ministry with her husband and supported him well. Zechariah was in the temple burning incense when Gabriel the angel appeared. The Bible said that when the angel appeared, fear fell upon Zechariah. Some of the um, text says that he, he was almost like a statue. That's called scared stiff. You know? Here he is in ministry. An angel appears. I can't even imagine what that looked like or felt like. But he was scared. What is this? What? Now, he's in ministry. He should know. But no, even for us that's in ministry, sometimes when the miracle comes, we're scared. We don't know what it is. It's big. It's big. I'm so grateful. So Gabriel, the angel, appeared. Fear fell upon him. He was startled. Now, wait, he's in the temple. He's burning incense. He's in the top of his ministry. And you're still startled? Yes. Zechariah's like, what is this? Yes, we've been there. We've been there. What is happening? This is great. But what's happening? Gabriel informed Zechariah that his wife would bear a son. How confusing, even for someone in ministry. I don't know exactly how old they were. Some say middle age. Some say 80. I don't know. Luke 1, 13 through 17, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. Oh, when our prayers are heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. So the Lord has sent word by Gabriel. He's given him instructions. Anybody in here have gotten instructions from God that sounded unbelievable? I know I have. <laughs> and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So before he shows his face, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a promise did he just deliver to him? I mean, could you ask for anything else or pray for anything else for a child? No. Everything you could pray for for a child. Gabriel just said, the Lord said this, and this is the way it's going to be. No emotion, no maybe, no could be. We're thinking about, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to be. There it is. 
I can see Zechariah still shaking, and he's probably like, ooh, what is this? This is what we prayed for. We are old. Zechariah replied that he did not understand in question, how shall I know this? Now, let's stop right there. Have we done that? Lord, I want, I'm, I'm praying for this. I'm praying for a house, Lord. This house comes before you. It's above anything you think you could ever own and literally puts it in your lap. And you're like, no, I don't think that's for me. We got to be careful. We got to be careful. So Zechariah questioned. Now he's in high ministry. He's still questioning the Lord's word that was sent by Gabriel. He's still questioning. He said, how shall I know this? I'm old and my wife is beyond childbearing years. Then God said, don't believe me, just watch. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Lord. Hey, hey, that's what God said. Don't believe me, just watch right there. Hey, some of y'all about to come out y'all's uh, spirit right there. Listen here. <laughs> Listen, I told y'all, I'm a storyteller. I teach my kids. We just don't get up in here. We're visual. We're audio. We have a good time. We have joy in the Lord. Even in our sadness, we have joy in the Lord. So don't believe me, just watch. Yes. So as a sign that God would bring it to pass, Zechariah was struck. He was disciplined and struck mute and would stay this way until the prophecy was carried out. All he could do was watch. All he could do. He couldn't speak. That was taken. That's what God had left him with. A promise in his sight. That is it. Sometimes I'm like, God, will you make it to where I can't speak because I mess up so much that you're giving me. I speak against so much that you have for me that I'm speaking that more than I'm speaking what you're telling me. How do we mess it up? But we do. But we do. So at this point, Zechariah is mute. He has a promise in his sight. And that's where he was left. After those days, Elizabeth conceived. She hid herself for five months after she conceived. She hid herself. She was in the house. She didn't come out. That's where she was. Now, I've asked five different people this week, wonder why she hid herself. The Bible really doesn't tell us, but I got five different answers when I asked people. But every answer, one is maybe she was waiting for a viable pregnancy. Five months, 20 weeks. Maybe she wanted to be able to show the people that had been talking about her and and, um, spreading rumors about her that it was real because they could see her at five months. We don't know, but all of that is to protect the promise that God had given her. She was protecting her baby. Makes me think of women on bed rest. You see, the good thing about the Bible, it's the truth. And as I tell my kids in class, The truth carries on forever. It doesn't change. It just doesn't change. And so back then, sitting in her house with her child, I think of bed rest. How many of us were on bed rest? I think of the moms today watching online that are sitting with a sick child or sick children, protecting 
the promise that God gave them. I think about marriages. I think about marriages that need restoration, and God has told them, don't be going out there doing all this stuff. You need to come in. Bring it home. Go back to me. Sometimes people come in, and they, they stay hidden to stay together with God for their marriage. There's so many other ways protecting that promise that God gives you. We have to protect it. So the past couple of weeks, I started reflecting. So pastor just really just sparked something in me. Now, when I study the Bible, I study Paul, the first church. But I don't get in there and say, I'm going to study women today. I've never done that. But when I did... God started saying, you've got some of these women in your lineage too. Wait a minute, what? Yeah, and he started showing me how women in my life protected God's promise for them and the reason why I'm here today. So if you don't mind, I'd like to share that with you. Is that okay this morning? Can I share a little bit of where I come from? Awesome. So first is my big mama. I think we're going to have a picture of Big Mama up there. This is my Big Mama. There she is. This is me and my Big Mama at Christmas and strawberry shortcake. And um, you see, Big Mama, she protected the promises God gave her. She had 10 children, eight at home. My father was the eighth. He was um, almost 13 pounds. And she said, I'm done having kids at home by myself. So, but... Can you put that picture back up there, please? Thank you. So here's Big Mama. I just want you to look at her. This is my dad's mother, my paternal grandmother. She never stepped a day in school. She never wrote her name. She never drove a car. She didn't get to do any of that. In fact, she guessed at her birthday. They looked for Bibles for the day of her birth. They couldn't find it, so she made it two days after my grandfather's birthday. She taught me so much. She protected her promises. My dad was born in a ditch. They didn't have a home. That's where she birthed him, was in a ditch. And she would tell me about birthing the children. And maybe there was a midwife there if they caught one coming down the road or whatever. But if not, she told me how she took care of herself until the doctor came. And she would go plow the garden before the doctor came. Because she had to make sure the food was ready for her children. She protected that promise. When my firstborn was, um, when Ryan, my firstborn, came into the world, he had so many medical problems. And they were telling us things like, he's got a clamped colon. He's got to have a colostomy bag for the first year of his life. So I was depressed. I was 20 years old. And my big mama called me. Now, she could dial a phone. She matched up numbers. So I love it. And she could watch Young and the Restless. Now, we could get that far. And she called, my big mama called me one day. She said, honey, what's wrong? I said, oh, I'm so upset. These doctors had told me, and I told her. She said, what's he doing? And I told her. She said, try this. And I thought, well, that sounds terrible, but I'm okay. And I tried it. And what they said was dead and not working started working for my child. My big mama that had never stepped foot in a school and couldn't write her name outsmarted the medical professionals. And two days later, I want to make sure he was okay. And what I did was all right. I called the doctor. I said, we need to have a meeting. We had a meeting. 
between the Lord and my big mama. They cured my son. And he didn't have to go through any of that. The next lady I want to highlight is my maternal grandmother. Her name was Wilma. Now she, um, I believe she went to the 10th grade of school. She was a basketball star. And she taught me about cooking, taking care of your husband, and teasing my hair. (laughs) She did, y'all. She had wigs and we had combs and nothing was off limits. I called her mama. Nothing was off limits. Every ring she had, every wig she had, she's a good woman that protected what God had given her. In the 10th grade, she didn't go past the 10th grade. You never know it. She was a professional. Oh, my gosh. So my big mama went to heaven 20 years ago, and my mama, mama, my maternal grandmother, went to heaven in 2010. Next is my mom. I'm going to get through this one. Next is my mom. My mom is a protector of God's promises. My mom has been through so much. You see, my mom and dad married when she was 18. I think my dad was 22. Um, Not long after they became married, she conceived my oldest brother. So she had him. He was a little premature, but everything was okay. He was born, and my mother woke up and said, you know, things ain't like they are now. Everybody come in there, whatever. My mother woke up and said, where's my baby? And the doctor said, listen, your baby has some complications. And we don't think you should take him home. My mom said, what? We don't think you should take him home. Sign this piece of paper right here. We've got a home for him. You're too young for this baby. You see, my brother is an angel. And the Lord sent him here with Down syndrome and some heart complications. He was named after my father. They were young. And here he came. And the doctor said, before anything, let's just sign here. You don't need this. And my mother said, give me my baby. I need my baby. This is my baby. Get out, get, and, and, and I won't tell you what else happened because my daddy got involved. Y'all know how that goes. So <laughs> give me my baby. That's my baby. They brought in her baby. She didn't know what that meant, but she knew he was for her. I think I have a picture of my brother. I think I have a picture of my brother they can put up. So my brother would come into the world. He would have struggles. He would have struggles. I was not yet born. He came before me. There we are, my brother Scotty and us in front of the Christmas tree. Scotty would go through life with bouts of pneumonia. And God took him home. He brought him back home just shy of his seventh birthday. He brought him home. But my mother protected him. You see how tall he is. My dad was so tall. He just had learned to walk before he passed. And my mother is glad that she got to carry him his life. So there was that. So after he passed away, I was two when he passed away. But I remember, I remember the grief in my house. I think about Elizabeth. I think about Zechariah. What kind of grief had they gone through before 
the word of the Lord had come to them. The grief in my house was presented in sadness and tears and anger and words. I didn't understand them, but I knew they weren't good. And it just kept on. You know how kids do. Everything's in fast forward when you're a kid. So I remember one time my mother saying something to my dad like, I think I have a growth. He said a growth. She said, yeah, my stomach, like I, I think I have a growth. I remember him saying, are you pregnant? Well, I'm not pregnant. I'm too old. I remember my mother saying that. And then as a kid, you start calculating, well, how old is too old? You know, I'm thinking, how old is too how old is she? So I just didn't know. But my mother said the same thing that Elizabeth was saying. I'm too old. I think it's a growth. And I'm thinking, oh, I was about seven. So I remember going to the doctor with my mother. Back then, you didn't get all these ultrasounds. You didn't get to know what you were having, you know, all that. Go to the doctor. She's, yes, she's with child. We're, she said, we're going to go by your work and tell your daddy. So I went by the work, told him daddy. He said, what? We're too old. I thought, well, how old are my people? I mean, that's what they just kept saying. They're too old. So... I'd seen a lot of sadness. I'd seen a lot of anger, seen a lot of tears, a lot of words, a lot of actions. So here comes God again, blessing my parents, not replacing my brother, but bringing them another son. In 1984, they brought another son, and I was so happy of my brother Adam is his name. Adam is his name. And so God restores, God gives, God takes away. He's there in our losses. He's there in our most joyous times. I remember when I heard it was a boy, I was eight years old, and I was like, okay, it's a boy, but my family was just wet in tears. I didn't understand I didn't understand restoration. I didn't understand healing. But there was healing brought from God through this baby. And it just reminds me, he's still on the throne. He will still do it. He still sees where we're hurting. He may not deliver it in your time. He may wait till you're old. I don't know what old is. But I've heard it so much. I'm just, I can't wait to see what God does for me when I'm old. So the truth is God's strength is fully revealed when our strength is fully depleted. That's when we see him the most. That's when he comes for us the most. You're empty. I'm going to fill you. His power is made imperfect, made perfect in our weaknesses. Whether it's in our marriages, singleness, divorce, jobs, loss of a loved one or sickness. He is a refuge for the oppressed. For us all. Not one or two or not the good or not the bad, but for us all. He is a stronghold in the times of trouble. Whatever it is, God's got this. Lord, help us believe the promises you have for us. The word that you send for us. The word that the angels will bring to us. Lord, let us believe it. Through all of Elizabeth's years of feeling less than, she still worshipped a more than God. 
She never stopped. I always tell the kids, he's still on the throne. He never stops. There have been many kings throughout the Bible. But King Jesus will be on the throne forever and ever. So she worshipped a more than God through the years of feeling less than. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel of the Lord, here he comes back. Gabriel visited her relative Mary in the town of Nazareth in Galilee. The angel told Mary that she would bear a son of the most divine, who she was to name Jesus. Conception through the Holy Spirit, he would be no ordinary child. He would be called the son of the most high. Now, Mary didn't understand all the implications of her life. But she humbly submitted to the will of God. In the days to come, the Bible says, Mary would go to Elizabeth in haste, in a hurry. She had heard that Elizabeth was pregnant. Elizabeth was old. Mary was not. Mary is pregnant, and she's going to Elizabeth in a haste, in a hurry, with a quickness, with a purpose. Now, Again, I have to tell my kids this illustration. She didn't get in her car, turn on the air conditioner, turn on the radio, and hit down the... Mm-mm. She's pregnant. We don't know if she even had any shoes on. We don't know if she rode a donkey, if she just walked. Some say it's 70 to 100 miles to Elizabeth. She didn't go down the street and knock on her door, friends. She was intentional about sharing the news of what God had done for her and to rejoice with what God had done to Elizabeth. Have you ever received an answer to prayer that changed your life like that? If you haven't, you may experience that someday. This is what happened to both these ladies. They both had an well, Elizabeth had an answer to prayer that changed her life. But Mary wanted to share. This is probably my favorite part. <laughs> Have you ever prayed for a friend? that you could go to and tell them what God's doing in your life and they would say praise the Lord instead of, oh, lucky you. I'm just asking questions. (laughs) Have you ever prayed for a friend? Lord, put good people in my life. If y'all don't see anything else here today, friends, can you see the support my church family has for us? I was in tears. I was in tears. Surround yourself with people that will say, praise the Lord, Alina. Not lucky you, Alina. Praise the Lord. Have people that will praise him anyhow with you in your sorrow, in your joy. Gather around your people. Have you ever held tight-lipped on a blessing because you didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings? And let me just back up to say, when I talk about protecting, protecting a promise, I'm not talking about protecting something you want or you have asked for. I'm saying protect what God has done, the thing that's been done. Protect that. But have you ever held tight-lipped on a blessing because you didn't want to hurt feelings? You just got a promotion at your job, but you know your friend down the way has been working so hard, staying after hours, and they've walked into you and said, hey, we would love to offer this position to you, but you're grieved. Your friend wanted it bad. Bad. 
Your friend had confided in you. They wanted this job. So you get the promotion. What do you do with it? Do you hold it? Are you ashamed of it because of what God's done for you? Praise be to God for all that he has done. Praise be to God for all that he has done. It may not have been your friend's time. It may not. It may be next year. It may be never. God is a God of order. He brought the messenger before the Messiah. And that's how he delivers. He does not get out of order. We do. (laughs) We do. God does not get out of order. The friendship of like-minded women is so important to our emotional and spiritual well-being. It is important. I know when I'm having a hard time, I can call so many women in this congregation and pour it out. And I love, you know, Elizabeth and Mary. They probably were able to have swollen ankles together. You know, this stuff is important, y'all. You think you're going through something by yourself. But you need to be surrounded. Like-minded women. Important, emotional, and spiritual. So important. As soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. So let's just paint. I'm a visual learner. Elizabeth goes to Mary. I mean, Mary goes to Elizabeth. And doesn't go, hey, Mary. um, I'm with child. No. She goes to the door and she just greets them. So as soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and her baby leaped inside of her stomach. Remember what he said. Your child will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's ever born. He will be named John. He will go before Jesus. Her baby leaped. Maybe this is a point where the unborn possesses personhood. John maybe knew who he was in the presence of. We can't miss this stuff, y'all. We can't miss this stuff. Just because we can't see it, and it ain't walking around in front of us, we can't miss the good stuff. This is the good stuff. Elizabeth began speaking blessings over Mary and referred to her as the mother of my Lord. Mary ain't told her nothing. And Elizabeth starts speaking blessings. Confirming what Mary had heard from the angel, there was no jealousy, no shame, no condemnation, no questions, just pure joy. Everybody's excited. Elizabeth's excited. The baby's excited. Mary's excited. There's so much joy. Only the Holy Spirit could reveal such a thing. If we were in our flesh, Elizabeth could have been like, wait a minute, you? You're young. You're, you're just engaged. You're not even married. I'm old. I've paid my dues. Why was it easy for you and not for me? That's what she could have said. And if we're being honest, this is just between us. That's probably what we would have said in our head. But she didn't. She didn't. She didn't. There was joy. She just started speaking blessings of her. Can you do that today? Somebody walks up and they have what we like to say, our blessing. Don't nobody else have your blessing, by the way. You got yours, they got theirs. If you see y'all laughing because y'all know it's the truth. (laughs) 
But can't, somebody walks up with your blessing, which you have journeyed through, which you have suffered through, and somebody walks up with that blessing, can you start just speaking blessings on them? Can you just start pouring out on their head? I'm talking about for real. Not just with your mouth, with your spirit, with your mind. With your, can we do better? I'm talking to myself. I need to do better with that. So Elizabeth, everybody's full of joy. There was no bitterness because it came easy for Mary. She didn't say, oh, you didn't have to do what I did. I see. I see how. Y'all laugh and y'all know we've done this. I see how this is. <laughs> Elizabeth was happy, y'all. She had been ridiculed, talked about, endured so much emotional pain from being barren. It didn't matter. She was happy for the both of them. The Lord had delivered it in such a way she forgot about all that stuff. She forgot about all that stuff. So here we are, two powerful women, one carrying the messenger, the one that would go before, and one carrying the Messiah. So special. We have to support one another, friends. We have to. God has a promise for each and every one of us. He is a God of order. You know, what have you been praying about? Your business? Lord, in the next year, I want to have this amount. Is it your business? Is it your ministry? Some of you have been praying to go into ministry full time. Your marriage, your children. You want a baby. You're looking to adopt. Let God lead. If you hear nothing else today, let God lead. He has something for you. He has something for you. This time of year is an opportunity to reset. I mean, we reset every morning for being honest. Lord, I'm so sorry for yesterday. I'm going to do better today. Take this time to reset. Get in your living room with the Lord, with your family, by yourself. Reset your mind. Wire it different. He'll do it. He's done it to, for me through this message. He has wired. He took out the best pliers he's got and rewired me through this message, y'all. When Elizabeth gave birth to John, her family and neighbors celebrated the Lord's mercy with her. Y'all, everybody's celebrating all the hard stuff. And I dare to say, probably some of those relatives and neighbors had probably ridiculed her in her life. But they showed up to celebrate. Everyone just assumed that the child would be named after their father. That's what you did back then, Zechariah. Well, no. Elizabeth insisted he was to be called John. Now, remember, Zechariah still can't speak. He's seen all this goodness and mercy but he still cannot speak. It wasn't time. It wasn't time. When they asked Zechariah, because they were like, wait a minute, the thing to do is to name your son after the father. She, whatever, she's saying to name him John. But remember, that's what the angel of the Lord said. That's what God said. What, what, what do you want to name your son? He can't speak, so he writes it. He will be called John. His name is John, is what he wrote. Y'all, he couldn't speak. He'd gone throughout his wife's pregnancy, not able to speak. He wasn't mad at God. He stuck to the word that God brought to him in the beginning. He said his name is John. He couldn't speak it, but he wrote it. If God takes your voice, write it down. He's got something for you. 
He's got something for you. His name is John. At that moment, his ability to speak was restored. And he what? Began praising God. That's what he did. He began praising God. He didn't complain. He didn't, no, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. He had seen so much. And maybe if we would be a little bit more quiet, maybe we could see more. That's, that's for me. That just came to me. That was for me. So what have we learned from Elizabeth's story? Listen, God always provides. Avoid the comparison trap. It don't mean a thing. It don't mean a thing. You're just tormenting yourself. Avoid it. God puts people in our lives at just the right time. Yes, he does. Yes. God always keeps his promises. Not sometimes, maybe, or when you're feeling good. Always keeps his promises. We should bless others when we have the opportunity. Again, not just because they're getting blessed because the way we want them to get blessed. That ain't going to happen. Y'all going to be disappointed. Bless others when we have the opportunity. This is my favorite. Toss selfishness in the garbage can. Let somebody take that out. Selfishness. Toss it in the garbage can. Let it go in the dumpster and go away. We got to get rid of that. Remember that God still performs miracles. He did in the Bible. He does it every day. He did it for my parents. He does it for me. He still performs miracles. And also, choose joy instead of jealousy. Choose joy instead of jealousy. It's so easy. Don't go for the easy stuff. Choose joy instead of jealousy. Sometimes we forget who we're talking to. The promises of God sometimes seem too good to be true and too hard to believe, even for someone in high ministry. Yet believing is what Christmas is all about. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Believing he was born of a virgin. Believing he came to earth to save us from our sins. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If you're finding yourself in a season of void, hold tight. Brothers and sisters, good news is on the way. I promise. Amen.